Amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to actually two places in Scripture this morning. One is in the Old Testament, the other is in the New. Um, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 1 and Luke chapter 12 as we begin uh, this brand new year. Thank you, Josh, uh, for leading us in worship this morning. And can we give a hand clap of praise to our worship ministry? Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Um, it is good to be back with you as uh, my family and I, we were able to make a very, very short drive to Texas. Um, that was uh, fun. Uh, we made a great memory, and so uh, we did have a good time. But it's really good to be back with you uh, this morning. And I want to say thank you to Britton Johnson for, for preaching uh, last uh, Sunday. Let's give him a round of applause. He did a great job uh, preaching Sunday, so thank you for that. Thank you. Well, today we kick off a, a brand new a series for uh, this month of January, uh, our new year, and I've titled it, um, Open the Door in 24. And the reason we're doing that is because door rhymes with four. Amen? That's about as spiritual as we're going to get. Uh, no, not really, but uh, Open the Door in 24. And um, in this series over the next uh, couple of Sundays, three Sundays really, um, we are going to look at, at three different keys to open the door to your spiritual transformation. Now that's what we want to look at in this month of January, as many of us are uh, making New Year's resolutions. How many of you have made New Year's resolutions? We have a great group this morning. Nobody raised their hand. That is awesome. Wow, you are go-getters. You keep it up. That's really good. <laughs> well, I guess, how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions? <laughs> well, anyways, so uh, maybe we need to do a series on goal setting, maybe. That might be pretty good. But anyways, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at um, keys that unlock the door to your spiritual tra transformation. Today, we're going to look at open the door to Scripture. Um, next week, we're going to look at open the door um, to holiness. We're going to take a close look at what it means to be holy and that God actually calls us to live a life of holiness. Um, and then we'll skip a week because of the Golden Isles Bible uh, Conference where we experience um, and explore Israel. Then on the last Sunday in January, we're going to look at, we're going to look at open the door uh, to fruitfulness. And so um, I hope that you will be here every Sunday um, because I'm, I'm excited about this series. But as I do when I begin a brand new series, um, I, I want to answer the question, why? Why this series and why now? Why today? Uh, let me give you three quick reasons why we're doing this series. This is going to be a long introduction into our message. I promise you we will get out in time. Wink, wink, all right? But just hang with me, but let me give you the reasons why I want to talk about open the door in 24. The first reason I want to talk about doors is because of this. Number one, we stand before doors every day. Amen? We stand before doors every day. Now let me, let me take a real quick survey with you, and I do want you to participate by the raising of your hands, okay? How many of you here, how many of you have a front door? Okay, good. If you don't have a front door, I don't know how you get into your house. Um, how many of you have a garage door? Okay, most people have a garage door, very good. How many of you have a refrigerator door? Okay, how many of you have pictures on your refrigerator door? Yeah, all right, most of us. How many of you have a closet door? 
Okay, good. How many of you have a bathroom door? If you don't, I recommend it. <laughs> Get a bathroom door. How many of you have a pocket door, a door that slides into um, the walls? We, I've, I've got, we've got some of those. How many of you have a trap door at your house? If you do, I'm not coming to your house. <laughs> but I, we, we all have doors, right? We all have doors, and we encounter doors at every part of our life. And as we come to this new year, some of you are real excited about closing the door of 23. Anybody excited about closing the door of 23? But then we can look forward to opening the door in 24. And my prayer as your pastor, my prayer for you as a family, as individuals, and then really as us as a church, that, that we would walk through the doors that lead to spiritual transformation. Uh, I said this um, uh, several months ago in our Wednesday night service, but I believe this to be true. Um, I, I truly desire that our church become the most spiritually mature church in the nation, and that we would show people how to make disciples of Christ. But the only way that we can make disciples of Christ is by our own spiritual transformation. We have to be transformed by the gospel, which means we hear God's word, we sing God's word, and then when we hear it and we sing it, we then apply it to our lives. And so that's my prayer for us this year, that we would be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ so that when we leave these, uh, this building, that we go out into the community, so we go out into the Golden Isles, people say, man, what's going on with you? What is, what's different about you? And you can say this, we have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want us to walk through that door of spiritual transformation. The second reason I want to talk about doors is because of this. Doors have spiritual significance in the Bible. Uh, there are over 200 references to doors in uh, the Bible. It ranges from, from doors of opportunity to share the gospel with others um, to, to Jesus being the door of salvation. But listen to these scriptures uh, that talk about doors. It'll be on the screen behind me, but Psalm 141 verse 3 says this, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, we can make a different translation to say this, oh Lord, keep watch over the door of my fingertips. That would be pretty good as well when it comes to social media, amen? But your mouth is a door, and sometimes it's better to keep our mouths what? You said it, right? Sometimes we need God to put a door over our lips. Proverbs 5, verse 8 says this, Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. What in the world is that Proverbs talking about? Moms and dads, you're welcome. You get to have a conversation with your son or your daughter. Well, what is that proverb talking about? It's saying, stay away from the wild woman. That's what it's talking about. Stay away from the promiscuous woman. You're welcome, moms and dads. You get to share the answer to what does promiscuous mean. But this is what the Bible says. You stay away from that wild woman. That's what it says. 
Proverbs 17, 19, he who loves transgression loves strife. He who raises his door seeks destruction. Meaning this, the proverb says this, that if you sin and you sin and you sin and you sin, you are going to cause strife. And if you continue to sin and you continue to cause strife, you are opening the door to destruction in your life. That's what the Bible says, that if you continue to walk in sin, then you continue to walk in strife, what that means is you are going to have destruction come upon your life. That's what the Bible says. And we'll talk more about um, a holiness uh, next week, but, but if you want constant strife in your life, then you keep on sinning. You keep doing what you want to do, disregard what the Bible says, you keep doing what you want to do, you keep sinning, you're going to love strife, and I promise you, destruction is going to come your way. Amen? Anybody encouraged yet this morning? Well, Proverbs 26, verse 14. Moms and dads, maybe this will be a good one for you for your kids. Verse 14, Proverbs 26 says this, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. What does that mean? It means get a job. Can I get an amen on that one? That's what it means. If you don't have a job in 24, this is your year. Let's declare it. It's your year to get a job. And it's your year to wake up and get out of bed. Amen? That's what it's about. Well, what does Jesus say about doors? What does Jesus say about doors? In John 10, verse 7, Jesus said this. He says, truly I say to you, I am what? The door. I'm the door. Now, is Jesus being literal here? Is Jesus a literal door no, he's not a literal door. He's, he's speaking metaphorically what says this, that if you want to come to the Father who created you, who created all things, then you must go through Jesus. Amen? Amen? Amen. You go through Jesus. Jesus isn't literally a door, but he is the one by which you come into a relationship with the Heavenly Father and through which you are saved from your sin. It's only through Jesus. And when you look at the words of Jesus, when it comes to doors and a door, nowhere in Scripture, nowhere in the Bible does it say there are multiple doors to heaven. There's one door. There's one single door door, that the Bible says that few will go through it, and that many will choose other doors. I remember several years ago, um, Angela was giving a, a presentation um, uh, with, with the company that she was working with. It was, um, she was given a, a, it's really a fantastic presentation on, on, um, uh, on epilepsy and those who had issues with the brain and actually had parts of their brain removed. And uh, she was given a presentation on a, a kind of like a pacemaker device for, for, for the brain. I don't fully understand all of it, but it was a fascinating presentation. It was really neat, and she's up there presenting, and I'm, I'm in the back, and I, I sit down next to uh, an individual who was from India, and he and I began to have a conversation, and uh, I just began to share the gospel with this, with this man, and I told him, listen, Jesus says that he is the door, the only door, and to which he, violent, well, violently with his words, 
um, oppose that idea. He says, no, 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 that's, that's not true. This is what I believe. He said, I believe that the way to get to heaven is much like all the rivers in the world flow into the ocean. Heaven is like this one big ocean, but like uh, all the rivers flow into the ocean. There are multiple rivers to get into heaven. Folks, is that true? It's not true. But many people in our world today believe there are multiple ways to get to heaven. But let it be known that the Bible says that Jesus is the door. He's the only door. He's the only way that you and I or anybody can ever enter into heaven. And he's the only way you can be saved from your sin. Jesus is the door. So do you think it's important we talk about doors? You bet it's important. We walk through doors, doors we face them every day. The Bible talks about doors, and here's the third reason why I wanna talk about this series, and it's this. We must open the door when Jesus knocks. The Bible teaches us that two things, that, that Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, and the second thing is this, that when Jesus returns, he's knocking on the door of your life. And the Bible says that we must be ready to open the door when he returns. Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 36. If you're with me this morning, say amen. amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 36. This is what Jesus said. And really, I guess you could say this is a theme verse for this series, but Luke 12, Jesus is telling a parable. Now, what's a parable? A parable is a story that tells a truth. And so Jesus tells a story about, about a wedding feast. He tells the story of a bridegroom, a bride, and the servants of the bridegroom that we now today call groomsmen. And he tells the story, look in verse 36, and he's speaking to believers. He says, be like men, he's referencing the groomsmen, be like men who are waiting for their master, that's the groom, when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately, what are the next three words? Open the door to him when he comes and knocks. What Jesus says to us today is this, is that you and I, we need to be ready when Jesus returns. Amen? We need to be ready. Because when Jesus returns, you need to be able to open the door so that you're ready for him. But in order for you to open the door, you have to get ready before Jesus returns. What you do before Jesus returns and before you die determines what door you're going to walk through for all of eternity. And I can tell you this, that Jesus is going to return soon. Amen? It's getting closer. And church, I, I just want you to know, you need to be ready. Are you ready? for the return of Jesus Christ. So that's the whole idea of this series. That was a long introduction, and now I can finally get to my sermon, amen? How many of you are still with me this morning? How many of you are asleep? You're asleep because you didn't raise your hand, amen? Well, how can we 
uh, become spiritually transformed this year? What is a door, what is a key that we can use to open the door to spiritual transformation? I want you to write this down. The first key to open the door in 2024 is this. Memorize and meditate on scripture memorize and meditate on scripture. With that said, I want you to go to Joshua chapter one. Go to Joshua chapter one. Many of you know the story of Joshua. Uh, Joshua took over uh, leadership for Moses. Moses has died. Moses has led the Israelite people, um, God's people from, from Egypt. He's led them through um, uh, the desert, and now he's led them to uh, the border of the promised land, but Moses has died. And now Joshua, on the border of the promised land, God says to Joshua, I'm going to use you to lead my people into the promised land, but you need to do it my way. And what we find in Joshua chapter one, verse eight, is we find a key that will unlock the door to success, to prosperity, and to be where God wants you to be. Follow along in Joshua chapter one, verse eight. And it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So in our text this morning that I want us to look at for the next few minutes, in this text, God calls Joshua, and he calls us to live daily on, are you ready for this? M&M's. How many of you like M&M's? God calls us to live on M&M's, which is memorization and the meditation of scripture. Yeah, I'm pretty good, aren't I? Yeah, I heard you, yeah. I want you to write this down, write this down. Because this is where we're going the rest of this morning. Nothing is going to do more for your spiritual transformation than daily intake of M&M's. Can I get a loud amen on that one? Nothing will do more for your waistline than a daily intake of M&M's. But seriously, nothing will do more for your spiritual transformation than a literal daily intake of M&M's, memorization and the meditation of scripture. Now, I want you to hear me out, church. Outside of obedience to God's word, because you know this, as believers in Christ, God gives us a word, we are to obey that and obey it immediately. And once you do that, you're transformed. You become more and more into the image of God. But outside of obedience to God's word, nothing will do more for your spiritual transformation than memorizing scripture and meditating on it. Nothing will do more for you outside of obedience to memorizing scripture. Now I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, I really like M&Ms, but there's no way that I can memorize scripture. I can't do it. I can't memorize scripture. Well, there is a Greek word for that belief, and it's spelled B-A-L-O-N-E-Y. <laughs> it's baloney, because you can memorize scripture. You can memorize scripture, and I'll tell you how I know you can memorize scripture. I know golfers who can replay every shot of every round they've ever played in their mind. I know that. 
I know men who can recite every football score for the last 10 years. Amen? I know one man in particular in this church who can tell you that in the past 10 seasons, Texas Tech has only had four winning seasons. I know that person. <laughs> you can remember things. I know students who know every single lyric to a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> I know some of you in this room know the lyrics, are you ready for this? Of songs from, and this is, I, I might get in trouble for this, ACDC. <laughs> uh-huh, you're telling on yourself, right? We know these songs. Um, some of you, the students, you're not gonna recognize this, but some of you who are, are, are more mature, you, you know, help me out here, you remember your home phone number before cell phones existed, you had one phone in your house and it had a 25 foot long cord. Are you with me? 806-872-7502, that's my home phone number. And if you call that number right now, I promise you my mom or dad would answer the phone. We remember those things. We remember those things. It's a little side story. Y'all remember, parents, grandparents, do you remember when you had that one phone? Men, do you remember this? When you had that one phone and you had to call a girl. Men, do you remember this? You had to call a girl, you had one phone, they had one phone, you called, and typically, who answered the phone? The dad. You had to talk to the dad before you could talk to the girl. Guys, are you with me? That was the scariest thing in the world. We should go back to those days, I think. But, <laughs> but you remember things. I, I, know, I know women who know recipes. They don't even need the list in front of them. They, they know these things. So let me ask you this question. How is it that we can remember all these things, but we say, well, pastor, I can't memorize scripture. Here's the truth. You only remember what you're interested in. And I'm just as guilty as this. But the reality is everybody in this room, you remember what you're interested in and you remember what you love. You remember these things. So that begs the question, do you love scripture? David, who wrote the book of Psalms and some other parts of scripture, the, the greatest king in Israel, he said this, and this is Psalm 119, verse 72. It's on the screen. And I came across this verse just this past week, uh, two weeks ago, and it was a verse that I'd never, I'd read it before, but it never really captured me like it captured me this just recently. And this is, this is what David said. He said this, the law of your mouth He's talking about God, your words, God, is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Let that sit on you. David, 
known as a man after God's own heart. David, who even the, the Jews and the Israelites today look back to King David and look at the glory of all of his kingdom and, and the greatness of, of who he was. And David, who we as believers, we look to him and say, man, this is, this is a man that, that, that he's, he's got it. He's got this relationship with the heavenly father. But David says, he says, God, the law of, of your mouth, the word of your mouth, it's better to me. It's better to me than thousands of gold and pieces of silver. Which means David is saying, God, your word is better to me than all the money and all the possessions that this world can give me. Wow. Wow. And so I read that text and I say, David, are you, are you serious? Do you really believe that God's word do you really believe that God's word is so much better to you than money and riches and possessions? Do you really believe that, David? And the answer to that question is, yes, it is what he says and it's what he believes. And we have to ask ourselves, is it that important to us? Is God's word that important to us that we would memorize it, that we would, that we would read it, that we would, that we would meditate on it, in the New Testament, Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus is eternal, but he comes in the physical form of a human. And, and in the New Testament, we read the story of Jesus. And, and Jesus said, over a hundred different times, Jesus said, in the recorded words of Jesus, over a hundred times, Jesus says this phrase, thus says the Lord, it is written, God said, have you not read what it is said? Jesus himself knew scripture. Jesus himself quoted scripture. Jesus himself memorized scripture. And so do we love God's word so much that you would memorize it, that you would meditate upon it, and you would make it every part of your being? Dr. Howard Hendricks, who's the deceased pastor, a, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, um, well-known and famous, he once said this, and this is a paraphrase of what he said, but he said this, if it were his decision, every student that graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary would be required to memorize 1,000 verses word perfect before they received their degree. To that I say, may his tribe increase. What if that was us? What if that was us, that we memorize so much of God's word that when we speak to our friends, when we speak to our family, when we go through difficult times, when we go through victories, that out of our mouths comes scripture, which is life. I mean, just imagine what that'd be like. That would be amazing. Well, are y'all with me this morning? Let me, let me share with you very, very quickly five, what I think are five good reasons why we need to eat M&Ms, okay? Let me share five reasons with you real quick, um, and, then, and then we'll close uh, this morning. But let me give you five reasons. Number one, I want you to write these down. These will be on the screen as well. Um, number one, when you and I memorize and meditate upon scripture, here's what it does. Number one, it helps us to defeat temptation. It helps us to overcome temptation. And we get this example from Jesus himself. Amen? 
You remember the story when Jesus, um, after he was baptized, after a dove sets upon him and God says to those around, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then says, the spirit led him into the desert, into the wilderness. And the scripture says that Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights, and then who came to visit Jesus after that time? Who came? Satan came to him. And what does Satan do? Three different occasions, Satan tempts Jesus. Satan tempts Jesus. The first one says, well, Jesus turned these rocks into bread, right? And what does Jesus say? He says, no, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. The second temptation, uh, Satan says to Jesus, um, throw yourself down and the angels will protect you. And Jesus says, nope, not gonna do it. He quotes scripture. Third temptation, Jesus, uh, Satan takes Jesus up and shows him all the wonders of the world. And Jesus, again, he quotes scripture. And what happens after the third time Jesus quotes scripture to Satan? What does it say about Satan? What happens? He leaves. He flees. What was Jesus' weapon? It was the word of God. Now here's what I know about Jesus and Satan in that wilderness moment, and you know it as well, that Jesus was not carrying a Bible with him. Is that right? He wasn't carrying an iPhone with him. They had the YouVersion Bible app on there with him either. He didn't have that with him. So where did Jesus have the word? It's in his heart and his mind. Now you could say this, you could make the argument and say this, well, Jesus does have a leg up on us, right? I mean, he is the word, and he wrote the word, but he knew the word. The way you and I defeat temptation is we quote scripture. Students, listen to me. Students, listen to me. There will be moments that you will find yourselves in a predicament that you don't know how to get out of. Your mom and dad won't be there to save you. Your grandparents won't be there to save you. I won't be there. Nobody will be there, but it's you, and you're in a bad, bad, bad situation. You know how you get out of that situation? Two things. One, you run away, and you quote scripture. That's what you do, as fast and as quick as you possibly can. The adults, here's what we know will happen, that once you quote scripture, that temptation will flee for how long? One second. What do you do next? You quote scripture. Adults, what happens after you quote scripture that second time? What happens? That temptation comes back just like that. What do you do next? You quote scripture. And guess what happens next? That temptation comes back. You keep quoting scripture. Psalm 119.11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Amen? 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 Number two. Scripture memory, scripture meditation helps us to make good decisions. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. What does that mean? It means that scripture, when you memorize and you meditate upon scripture, here's what it does. It will direct your path. It will guide you. It will lead you. It will help you make the right decisions. And again, here's the reality. You are not going to be carrying your Bible with you everywhere you go. That just doesn't happen. That's not practical. And there's going to be moments when you have to make split-time decisions, and you need something to refer back to. And the only way that you and I will be able to refer back to Scripture is if you have it memorized, which means you got to eat your M&Ms daily. you got to eat them daily because it's going to help you make good decisions. Here's number three. 
Number one, it helps us to defeat temptation. Number two, it helps us to make good decisions. Number three, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith. Psalm 119, 49 through 50 says this, remember the word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my conflict and my affliction that your word has revived me. Listen, when you are going through a difficult time, you go to God's word because it will revive you. It will revive you like nothing else. And you sit, you read scripture, and you memorize it, and you meditate upon it. It will make a difference in your life. I remember in the first, uh, first church I served in as full-time student pastor. Um, after about my fourth year there, the church went through a terrible horrible uh, church split. Awesome, I encourage everybody to go through a church split at least once in their life. That's funny, y'all, all right, that's funny. That's funny. But it was a very difficult time, and I remember the first Sunday after the pastor was, was removed, um, I was asked um, to preach that very first Sunday. And folks, when I say the church split was bad, it was bad because uh, when some uh, men in the church found out that I was going to preach, they started to threaten me. They called threats on me and told me I better not preach, da 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 da. So, um, so guess what I did? I preached. I preached. I preached. Why? Because during that moment, God reminded me of a passage of scripture that I had remembered that I had memorized, and I began to meditate upon it. It was Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, what says is, I would have despaired. Anybody ever been in a moment where you've almost despaired? I would have despaired unless, unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen, when I was going through that church split, I was not living in, in, in goodness. It was tough, it was hard, but I remembered what God's word said. He said, I would have despaired. I could give up when I'm going through a bad situation. I could give up, I could despair. I could throw in the towel, I could stop, I could quit. I could blame everybody else in the world about everything that's going on. But I remember what God's word said. It said, I would have despaired unless, unless I believed. Unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, which means get your eyes off of what's going on and get it onto Jesus. And then verse 14 said this, and you wait for the Lord, and you be strong, and you take courage, and yes, you wait for the Lord. One of the most difficult things in all the world to do as a believer in Jesus Christ is that four-letter word, wait. This is the most difficult thing to do as a believer in Jesus Christ, to wait, to wait for the tide to turn, to wait for that relationship to be restored, to wait for this, to wait for that. It is the most difficult thing to do, but oh, brother and sister in Christ, the word of God says this, you take courage and you wait, because there will come a day when you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, amen?
You memorize and you meditate upon scripture because what it can do for us, it'll help us to overcome temptation. It will help us make good decisions. It will strengthen our faith. Then here's the last two things and then we're gonna be done. The fourth thing is this. When you memorize and meditate scripture, it brings you great comfort. Amen? It brings you great comfort. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17 and 18 says this, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Apply your mind to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you that they may be ready on your lips. God's word brings comfort. How many of you, over Christmas time, uh, families, how many of you have the elf on the shelf? Is, any, are, is anybody, if you had Elfish Elf, raise your hand. I want to see your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of us have elves on the shelf. Well, here's what I know as believers in Christ, that a lot of us, or too many of us, we have the Bible on the shelf. We have the Bible on the shelf. And church, I'm just going to tell you, having the Bible on the shelf is not, is not going to do you any good. The Bible has all the answers in, the li- in life that we need. Has all the answers that you need. But if the Bible just sits on the shelf, it does not provide you comfort. If you don't hide it in your heart or in your mind, you do not allow the Holy Spirit to bring that up and to comfort you in your times. Amen? Here we go, here's the last one and then we'll be done, all right? Number five, it will help us become a better witness. When you and I memorize and meditate scripture, it helps us to become a better witness to a world that so desperately needs to hear about Jesus. Peter. Uh, the disciple who was, um, uh, you know, he rejected Jesus, uh, then was restored. Um, later on, Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says this, always be prepared to give an answer to who? Everyone. Who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is within you. Folks, when people come to you, they come to you with situations, they come to you with problems, they come to you with difficulties, and you respond with scripture, you give the hope that you have, and that hope's name is Jesus. Amen? Listen, we don't need opinions anymore. We need God's truth deep within our hearts. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, this has been really good. (laughs) Well, let me close this morning. What have we learned today? Hopefully you and I have learned that that M&Ms are are good for you. I hope that's the case. And so uh, there's two things I want to share with you as as we close. Two things. Number one, um, when you came in uh, the doors this morning, every single one of you was handed a card. Can you take that card out, please? I saw some of you trying to make these into paper airplanes. Do not do that, do not throw it balcony, don't throw it. Once you take out that card, you will see uh, one side has January events, on the other side there are two scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5.17 and Galatians 2.20. A takeaway from this morning's message is this, I invite you as a church to join me and the staff to memorize scripture together. That over the next two years, we go on a scripture memory plan. That we as believers in Christ, that we would learn, are you ready for this? The entire Bible word for word. (laughs) No, we're gonna make it real easy. 
64 verses. You're invited to join us. That we go on a two year scripture memory journey where we learn a total of 64 64 verses, which means this, that we learn two verses a month. Wow. Two verses a month. We're actually gonna be using the Navigator's topical memory system if you're familiar with that. Um, if you want to know more about that, you can go to the website, Navigator's Topical Memory System. Um, but a part of the memory verses that we'll be learning, it, it's, going to cover, it's going to cover living the new life in Christ, proclaiming Christ, relying on God, being his disciple, growing in Christ's likeness. And here's what we're going to do. The first Sunday of every month, we are going to give you a card. It's going to look something like this, and it's going to have the two memory verses on there that we want and desire for you to memorize and to meditate upon. Sunday small groups, we highly encourage you to practice the memorization in your small groups. Moms and dads, do this with your sons and your daughters. Um, Family members, do this. Friends, do this together. And so every month, we will get a new set of, of, of verses to memorize. It's not hard. It's not difficult. And you will see the first two verses, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You probably already know them, so you already got a head start. Therefore, if anyone is in... He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Most of you know that one. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Please memorize scripture, and let's do this together. And here's the second takeaway for you today. And I think this one's really, really good. When you leave this morning, there will be some ushers at the door, and they have a small package of M&Ms for every single person in this room. (laughs) And I want you to enjoy some dessert. Even some more dessert, all right? But you take this. You get a package. There's there's our regular M&M's, there's uh, peanut M&M's, there's, I think, caramel M&M's, I think. Um, but uh, you take a package, you take, but let it remind you that the daily intake of M&M's will lead to your spiritual transformation. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you that everybody is here and they've dedicated this first Sunday of the year to come hear your word, to come worship, to come be with a community of a small group. I thank you that they've made that commitment, Father. And I pray that they would continue that commitment through the rest of this year and really the rest of the days of their life. And Father, I pray that everybody's here in person that's listening online, watching online. Father, I pray that we would come under the conviction of that we need the word of God in our lives. God, your word says, how can a young man keep the way pure by living according to your word? Oh God, may we be a people of your word who hear your word, read your word, listen to your word, that we'll memorize and we'll meditate upon your word, Father. And Father, if there's somebody here today who doesn't know you, as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they would walk through the door of Jesus, 
and see what Jesus Christ has done for us. He took the penalty of our sins upon his shoulders, was crucified on the cross, taking our penalty, was buried, but then on the third day rose victorious, defeating death and defeating sin. And if there's somebody here this morning who needs Jesus, here's what I say. Just look to Jesus, run to Jesus, and tell him, I need you, please forgive me. And here's what I know, that when Jesus says that if you open the door when he knocks, that you, he will come in and he will dine with you. Oh, please open your heart to Jesus. Father, we love you. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen.